Hi there, everybody. It's Devin Wilkins. Welcome to Insight Peterborough, a project of the Canadian Council of the Blind, the Peterborough chapter of the CCB. And uh, we're with you this time every week from uh, 4 to 5. Bob uh, Chrysler is uh, on his way, um, so he'll be here to uh, join us very shortly. Uh, let's begin, though, with um, we're going to be talking a fair bit about vision this week. So uh, let's begin with a song by Kent Brockwell. He was uh, a local uh, fellow. And uh, uh, Tammy, are you on mic? I am on mic. Yes, All right, I am. there you are. Here's uh, Tammy, who is our operator at the moment. And uh, what's the name of the song, uh, Tammy? I could see the city lights. All right, by Kent Brockwell, and I guess we're going to play this in the interim. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. I always lived way back in the hills Where the neighbors are few and far between Trying to scratch a living from dawn till after dark And trying to keep my pasture green And then off in the distance I could see the city lights Hear the roar of mighty cars Where the big trucks are rolling and the swingers are swinging and the singers are singing around the bars I never seemed to have a dollar in my jeans that didn't have to go to pay a bill trying to stretch it further to pay another one there's a bill collector coming up the hill and then off in the distance I could see the city lights Wondered where the money goes While up in Mortgage Heights They're buying brand new cars And with credit cards they buy their summer clothes And now I find myself out where the lights are bright Where the truckers and the swingers gather round some come to drown their sorrows and others just for fun When the lights come on, the singers head for town And then off in the distance I could see the city lights Hear the roar of mighty cars Where the big trucks are rolling and the swingers are swinging And the singers are singing around the bars but I'm still the same guy I was way back then Although I've traveled far away I've traveled to the north and I've traveled to the east And made a lot of friends along the way And then off in the distance I could see the city lights Wondered where the money goes While up in mortgage heights they're buying brand new cars And with credit cards they buy their summer clothes All right, uh, and so that was Kent Brockwell If you were around in the, uh, uh, let me see, early 70s And certainly uh, before that you may have heard uh, Kent Brockwell at uh, many of the uh, 
um, bars and places uh, singing his uh, country music, and uh, I think Sean Eyre featured him quite often. He was uh, he had lost his sight, but it uh, certainly didn't have any effect on his voice, as you can hear. And uh, we like to play a selection by him every once in a while. So that was too bad, wasn't it, uh, Tammy, about uh, the uh, drummer for Rush? Yes, yeah, I did hear about that. Yeah, it was, um, uh, yeah, I was I was quite taken back. I was like, uh, I grew up on Rush. Yeah. It was a big group that my uncles uh, and my family members used to listen to, and we even studied up on them in, uh, in a music class one time. So, yeah. Ah, yes. And uh, he died of uh, brain cancer. I don't know if it was the same kind that Gord Downey had or not, but it seems to be rearing its ugly head every once in a while these days, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was unfortunate to lose such a Canadian icon there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, A few months ago, we uh, played a demonstration that uh, Leslie Yee, who lives here in Peterborough, did, of a product that she uses called eSight. And uh, I like to replay those every once in a while because uh, not everybody listens every week. So if uh, you haven't heard about eSight before and if you are losing your vision, it uh, might be good for you to hear. So uh, here's a a chat that I did with Leslie Yee, who is actually the chair of our local chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind, and we're talking about eSight. As you know, from time to time, we like to feature specific technical devices and uh, get people to demonstrate them, uh, who have used them and know what they're all about. And uh, this time we're going to talk about a device called eSight, and um, someone who has used that is Leslie Yee. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Devin. So tell me, what is eSight? So eSight is wearable technology where it's like a pair of goggles that go on in front of your prescription glasses. It's all built into the goggle though. It's not like you have to wear your glasses and then put this over top of it. Okay. So your prescription is built into the goggle itself and it's attached to a small battery and computer uh, module that sits on your side in a bag and um, it, it, there's a cable that goes from the goggle to the device itself. Okay. But it means you can get up and walk around and be able to look at things and uh, read things, get details of things. So it's designed for anybody with low vision who has lost their central vision. So due to macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, there's about 10 different, 12, 10, 12 different conditions that 
um, people can get that this device would work for. So my understanding of how it works is it takes what you see through your peripheral vision and then replaces the holes in your central vision so it completes the picture for you rather oh. than your brain trying to complete the picture. Okay. So um, you can put this on and be able to see a person's face again that you normally can't see mm -hmm. or read a book or read a recipe or do your bills or pay your bills. You can work on the computer screen or watch TV. You can even plug this in directly to the TV and the TV then is right in your goggle. Oh, cool. And the same with your computer. You can plug it into your computer through an HDMI and it, you can see the computer screen right on your goggle as well. Wow. And movement of your head will help give you some movement around the screen. Ah, as opposed okay. to having to move your mouse all the time. Yeah. You still need both, but um, you can also move your head sideways. Same with the TV. You can move your head left to right, up and down to be able to see all parts of the screen when it's magnified. Because you know when things are magnified, you see a smaller area of that object. Yeah. Right, because you're making it bigger. So in order to see a full TV screen, if you need to go to um, three or four times magnification, you're going to lose the outside of the screen. Ah, okay. So what this does, as you do that, as you're focusing in on the center of the screen, if you turn your head left, it'll move you to the left part of the screen, the right part of the screen, up and down. Mm -hmm. So they've incorporated that. That's a great technology to have incorporated in yeah. there. Yeah. So um, a couple of things that it's not. It's not... Uh, useful for someone like me who has no vision. That's right. You have to have some vision and in fact it works best for people uh, 20 over 800 would be iffy if it will yeah. even work for you ah. but roughly 20 to over 800 to 20 over uh, 60 I, I believe is what they kind of recommend. Okay. Um, so it really works great for people with low vision where they don't maybe necessarily need a cane or a guide dog or anything but they definitely struggle with not having that central vision mm -hmm. but their peripheral vision could be good so they just need to be able to see faces and read things and read signs and mm -hmm. this definitely will do that for you. Yeah. Uh, but it's not good for walking uh, mobility, is it? No, you don't actually use the eSight to walk. So the eSight flips up and down in front of your glasses. So when you're walking, you would flip it up. So you, it's, you can just move your eyes up to look through it, but then you move your eyes down to look through your prescription glasses yeah. or underneath the goggle if you don't need prescription glasses uh -huh. and to, to walk because looking through the goggle, everything is magnified. So you might have it magnified to be able to read the sign at the end of the street. So if it's magnified that high, if you're walking, you'll, of course, lo lose your step because everything would look closer than it really is. Yeah, it would really mess up your depth perception, Exactly. Right? So yeah. you look through the bottom of the, underneath the goggle, I should say, mm -hmm. through your prescription to do walking, which is normally what you do anyways. And yeah. we always use our peripheral vision to walk. We don't use central vision to walk. Now so, that's interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> so your central vision, which is the center of your eye, and it's the smallest part of your eye, is really there for getting details. Okay. So it's your reading. It's um, to read the license plate of a car, right. for example, to read a book, see a face. So that's your central vision. Okay. And then walking around is the big picture stuff. Okay. So you use your peripheral vision in order to walk around. So that's why it's okay to walk without it. 
but to wear it when you're walking, it will allow you to walk down the street, look up and look through your goggle to read a sign, or read the bus that's coming towards you to find out what uh-huh. bus it is, so you can see that it's your bus that you want to catch. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's great. Yeah. And what else will, will, will it help you read? Well, um, yeah, so you can sit, if you love to read novels, you can still sit down on, a, on your couch or your comfy chair with your book in normal position, which is mm-hmm. on your lap, Right. and you just put the magnification where you need it, and it will help you read. So the other thing that this device will do for, is it changes the color like a CCTV machine does. Mm-hmm. So it will, you can read in normal which is how you would normally see with all your colors and and it's fast. It's not like you're looking at a video. It actually feels like you're looking through glasses. Ah. Although you're not. You're really looking at a, a video. It, there's a small camera in the front that's recording everything and it's so fast it's it's almost like it's at the same speed. It's wow. the same time. Yeah. But it can now change if you're reading or anything, you can change it to black on white, white on black, uh, yellow on blue, and uh, depending on how you see best. So if you mm-hmm. need to read something and you just need to change it to black on white, you can adjust that, sit and read it in black on white. Now, if you were doing something like um, sewing or knitting, could you use it for that? Absolutely. So huh? anything where you need to see that detail or mm-hmm. look closely at something, definitely eSight will help you with that. Yeah. Not that you can't do those things without sight, but if you're not used to doing them without sight, it's good to have the magnification to use what... Uh, residual vision you have. Yeah, in fact, you know, if you have lost your sight or are losing your sight a little bit later on, mm-hmm. and it's hard to sometimes learn new technologies or learn new way of doing things. So literally by wearing eSight, the only thing you have to get used to is learning to just manage between the goggle part and walking around looking underneath the goggle part. Right. So it's learning mm-hmm. that, which is very minor compared to learning new technology. Using the device is very easy and very straightforward. Mm-hmm. So um, if you, yeah, so if you're older and you're losing your vision, you can wear eSight and carry on with your daily activities as if you hadn't lost your sight. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. it replaces your central vision. It puts all the detail back in there for you. Uh, Would it help in the kitchen uh, with regard to measurement and stuff like that? Yes, because you can Mm -hmm. read your measuring cups, your spoons. You can look at open a drawer, look in it, and actually find things. Mm -hmm. And yeah, rather than just feeling around for everything, yeah, it it definitely helps in the kitchen. Reading your recipes, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I often use mine in the kitchen if I have to do something with a lot of reading. Yeah, then it's so much easier than trying to do a handheld magnifier because right. this is this is hands free yeah uh, there's a little case to carry the computer part in which i sling over my shoulder like cross chest you know yeah. over mm-hmm. the shoulder i yeah. have the goggles on my head so my hands are completely free uh-huh. so i can go about do my daily routine and have the goggles on and uh be able to read things and and pick things up and read them and yeah mm-hmm. yeah you don't have to worry about it and it's not a heavy device 
No, it's just it, the whole thing together is really under a couple of pounds. Yeah. Now the one I have is actually Generation One, so it's one of the first model that hit the market because I've had mine for several years now, and since then they're now at Generation Three. So the computer pack is about half the size of mine. Wow. So it's even lighter, and the goggle part is a lot smaller. So mm -hmm. they're getting them closer and closer. They don't look like sunglasses necessarily, but they're closer and closer to that. Size. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh -huh. they're much smaller and uh, more manageable as well that way too. And pro probably something we should mention is that they're made here in Canada. Yes, they were invented by a gentleman in, and I believe it's Montreal, mm -hmm. the Montreal area, who's he had two sisters who had Stargards. And he, I guess as, as an engineer, he always said, someday I'll invent something for you to help you see. Yeah. And uh, it took him 10 years to get it to the stage of the one I have. Mm -hmm. And then uh, from there, it's just done really well. And now they sell to, I can't even tell you how many countries around the world. Wow, they that's sell. super. Yeah, so they've, they've done really well. So it's come a long way in even a short time from when this first one was launched. Mm-hmm, that's great. Um... Before we talk about where to go to, to get something like this, um, is there anything else that it, that it can do that we haven't talked about? Um, no, I think we've talked about everything okay. that it can do. I will say, though, that the new versions are even more clear and more crisp ah. than this current one. So. It, it's like all technologies they yeah. get better and better so they're getting smaller and sleeker yeah. uh, crisper looking and uh, cleaner looking um, even faster I think in the video streaming of it Right. even though I think mine is super fast it's yeah. probably even faster so it's uh, it, it's seamless right. a little bit more yeah so it, uh, I will mention that that uh, the newer ones are really good now can you get this uh, eSight through the assistive devices program? No, unfortunately you cannot. Mm -hmm. And I do know they've been advocating to try to get it through that program, but yeah. they haven't been able to yet. So it is something that you have to get out of your own pocket. Or a lot of people fundraise. They they do the GoFundMe page. Oh, yeah. And have raised money. And there's a lot of people out there raising money for people who need eSight. Uh, perhaps a group or an organization in your area can help you raise money for yeah. it. Uh, it is an expensive device. It's um, up and over ten thousand mm -hmm. uh, dollars. So it, uh, you know, it it definitely does cost some funds. But like I said, you know, if you um, if if you have low vision and you're just struggling, really struggling with losing that central vision, this is something that can really help you. Super. And where do you get it? So you can look up eSight online. It's small, small e, then S I G H T. What was that? Like a hyphen between the no, e? No, there's no hyphen. No. Oh, okay. No. All right. And um, if you just look up eSight, you'll see it very quickly. You can then call for an appointment. Of course, you would get an appointment to try it to make sure it works for you. It does not work for everybody. It depends on the disease that you might have yeah. or your eye condition. But, um, or the amount of uh, acuity that you do have. So, um, but you definitely would make an appointment. 
um, and uh, try it out. And I know when I went for mine, I mean, I was able to take my time and, you know, try it out for a while. Yeah. Unfortunately, you can't just try somebody else's because my own prescription is built into it. Uh-huh. Uh, but they'll modify the, the demo one to suit your own prescription. Oh, that's good. And then allow you to try it out. Yeah. Now, did you have to go to Montreal or did they come to you? Um, when I went, I met somebody in Toronto. Okay. Um, whether they come, they might be able to come to you, depends where you live. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. So, but making that phone call and setting up a, a time to uh, meet somebody is the best thing to do. All right. Okay. Is there anything else that we should be mentioning about it? Um, no, I think it, that pretty much covers everything. But yeah, right. it's, uh, it, you know, if, if somebody thinks that um, the, the, the neat thing about this is it can replace a lot of assistive devices, uh, other items. Yeah. Yeah. So it might be something that if, if somebody is in, at the beginning stages of losing their vision, they might want to look at doing something like an e-sign before they invest in any other items right? and see if it works for you. And it, it has so much magnification in it. It grows with you. Uh-huh. So if you start losing your vision and you over the next five years, you're going to lose more vision. E-sight, you just increase magnification as you need it. Super. So it, yeah. it's not like it's it's only going to work for a year and not work. Mm-hmm. You know, unless something drastic happens to your eyesight. Right. Right. Yes. But yeah. if it's just the normal prog- progression, then it's something that could last you for many, many years. So it's definitely worth looking into before you, as one of your devices, and yeah. it might be the device for you, and you then you don't need any other devices. Right. Yeah. And um, it comes with its own rechargeable battery? Yes, it does. I just plug it in and mm-hmm. it, it charges it right in the, the case. I never have to remove the battery or anything like Super. that. Eastside's also been very good with me with uh, and with most people that I've talked to for um, their aftercare service. Oh. So if I'm struggling, sometimes my Eastsight needs a tune-up. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. um, what they do is they send me a temporary Eastsight. Oh. And uh, I just package all this up in that box and send it back to them. It's never costed me a cent. Wow. When they've, when they've done their tune-up, they've sent it back to me, and then I just send them back the again in that box yeah. and, and return it. But they make all the arrangements. So I've always had very been very well taken care of by the company for anything that they need afterwards. Good. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming to talk to us about eSight. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, that was um, Leslie Yee chatting with us about a product called, or a technical device called eSight, which uh, would certainly come in handy for people with um, visual impairment. And in the meantime, Bob has uh, (laughs) been able to join us. Hi, Bob. You know what, uh, Devin, Uh, with the ice and that, I was scraping and uh, blowing snow, and I was just doing everything I could to get here. Guess what? Now I'm here. Oh, well, that's and good. thanks to Tammy, she was able to get you started off on your program, Insight Peterborough, and we have to thank her profusely for pitching in like that. Yeah, it's uh, great what she was able to do for us there to get us going on time, and uh, great that you're here safe and sound. Well, thank you, uh, Devin, and I'm glad that I made it A-OK. <laughs> Traffic and stoplights and all. Yeah. So um, 
We have a, an interview, a phone interview coming up very shortly, which we're going to have to uh, do live. Um, so uh, what we'll do in the meantime is uh, there's a song called uh, The Power of a Dream. Yeah. And it's by Terry Kelly. I've met him once. Um, he lives in Halifax. And uh, <clears throat> you may remember a song that came out uh, about uh, around Remembrance Day maybe three years ago, and it was called uh, Pittance of Time. And uh, it was about um, people not wanting to take the two minutes to remember. And uh, it really annoyed him, and so he decided he was going to write a song about it. Well, this is um, uh, the same artist that uh, did that one, and uh, he is uh, a blind person. Not totally blind, he does have some sight, but uh, not a whole lot, and he lives, as I say, in Halifax, and the song is called The Power of a Dream. There we go. Shall we try that? Yep, let's do that. Look, see that movement everywhere. Improvement 150 million tongues One clear voice From the land down under A song, the sound of thunder Singing the dream To opening ears All over the world There's a buzz in the air and the people from far and near Have made a choice, the choice is clear Changing what it means to be blind Step by step, one day at a time Still much to do, but it shall be That the sighted eyes of the world Will be able to see And there will be changes The power of the dream Nation arising to the occasion to change humankind by movement and mind. We shall be as one. And what of youth and children? Empowerment is their freedom. And we must convey by example so they can say, No big deal, I'm blind. Of the earth will acknowledge the person first through our vision by knowing our worth, changing what it means to be blind, step by step, one day at a time. Still much to do, but it shall be at the sight and eyes of the world. We'll be able to see, and there will be changes. The power of the dream To diligence by you and me Changing what it means to be blind Many drops of 
down Hands across all borders, boundaries And nations take walls down Lift the veils, unfurl the sails New journeys will abound Step one day at a time Still much to do But it shall be That the sight and eyes of the world Will be able to see And there will be changes The power of the dream Due diligence by you and me Changing what it means to be blind Changing what it means to be blind And that was Power of a Dream by Terry Kelly. Well, in February of uh, this year, and it is appropriate because this year is 2020. And a leap year. And a leap year, yes. Um, several organizations in Canada are hosting uh, a summit um, about... Um, uh, visual uh, loss and uh, and that sort of thing uh, called um, uh, I think it's called Vision 2020. And here to talk to us about that is the executive director of Fighting Blindness Canada, Doug Earle. Hi, Doug. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. That's good. And did I get the the name of the uh, of the summit right? Uh, it's the Canadian Vision 2020 Summit. Oh, okay. Oh, I was close, but not quite there. You were there. close. <laughs> yeah. You got the two most important words, vision and 2020. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, I, I know that CNIB and CCB and a couple of other organizations are involved in putting that together, and we know a fair bit about them. Can you tell us a little bit about Fighting Blindness Canada? Sure. So Fighting Blindness Canada was formed 45 years ago because at the time when the families came together to form our organization, we didn't understand why people, their loved ones, were going blind. We didn't know the genes. We didn't know the uh, biology of how it happened. And, And at the time, 45 years ago, they were told that, that your child, your loved one, has, uh, has a, 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 an eye disease and they are going to go blind. And it's, you, you need to go home and get ready. So, and fast forward now, uh, we're, we're the largest funder of vision research in the country. We funded over uh, $40 million uh, of research since in the last 45 years. And we've made over 600 discoveries uh, which has led to uh, the fact that that uh, we're hoping in this this symbolic year 2020 that the first targeted gene therapy will be approved in Canada, uh, so that uh, if you have this gene that it targets, uh, uh, you'll be able to restore your sight. Wow! Wouldn't that be wonderful, eh? 
can it, isn't that amazing that the science theories that that we've been working on for the last 40 years are now becoming science fact wow that is so, super. so people uh, the young children that are diagnosed with uh, uh, LCA which is a, it's an inherited retinal disease that that are caused by the RPE65 gene well, uh, those treatments there is now a treatment in the world that's offered in Europe and the United States uh, it was approved in the United States in December 2017, wow. uh, where where this treatment, it's a one-time treatment, and uh, it's called Luxterna, and it it will target that gene, and it replace it it pr- uh, provides so that the RPE65 does not work. It's defective in the people that develop uh, their they lose their sight, this LCA disease, and this this Luxterna. Uh, replaces the gene so it, it brings in the new functioning rpe65 and in in the t- clinical trials two-thirds of the people the treatment was successful they were able to read two lines down on the eye chart and 100 percent of them were able to navigate a low light obstacle course which is uh and whereas before none of them could wow that is remarkable so so fighting blindness canada is funding research uh, into the basic discovery research and understanding why blindness happens, what are some of the targets that could be used for treatment, and then and then we're also funding the translation in cl- when it happens in clinical trials, uh, in the last stage of trying to get it into human. And, and so this year, in 2019, uh, we, we were tracking uh, at the beginning of the year, 59 clinical trials where these stem cells, uh, gene therapy, or new medications were being uh, ex- uh, the research was being done in human, and we and we were able to start bringing those treatments to Canada. Uh, the first location, three of them are up and running in in uh, Montreal, and uh, because of our donors and a key investment we made with the program in Montreal. Uh, we're hoping to have 20 up and running by the end of this year. Wow. Or, sorry, 12. <laughs> Just get that right. 12, 12 clinical trials running in uh, Canada for the first time in the, in, in, by the end of this year. Well, that'll be great. Yeah, so we're trying to, it's all, it's all great and, and that we have the treatment, but if Canadians can access it and access it at the earliest point, which is during clinical trials, then, uh, then you know, this research means nothing if we can actually restore people's sight. Right. Is there a uh, charity or donation uh, accessibility that we can uh, uh, yeah. maybe uh, get money off to this? Uh, yeah, so, so fightingblindness.ca is the website. And you can make the donation to support our research efforts in order to, to help fund the research. We're, we're just about this week to announce six new research grants uh, that across, uh, there's glaucoma, uh, diabetic uh, retinopathy, uh, age-related macular degeneration, um, ushers, is a, and, and retinitis pigmentosa are two diseases in the inherited retinal space. And of course, our funding that we're doing with uh, with the project in Montreal to bring these clinical trials to Canada. So it covers quite a, um, uh, a number of uh, diseases, doesn't it, then? Yes. Yeah. So the, man- the mandate of Fighting Blindness Canada is to find the, accelerate the treatments and, the, and cures for all blinding eye diseases and, and to ensure 
and to encourage access to those existing and new treatments. We certainly wow. have a step forward. By golly, I mean, uh, it looks like things are going ahead uh, re really quickly for you. Well, it, it's 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 amazing. I, I've worked uh, well over 30 years helping raise uh, funds for health research, and and this is the most exciting th time uh, that that where these these ideas that I used to talk about for other diseases they're actually happening in the eye and making that that transition into human treatments. So, so we're still. You know, clinical trials is still research. We're we're making sure it's safe and human. They're they're making sure the right dosage and that it, that it works. Um, and then now, after all that time, uh, we have our first treatment, and we're very encouraged that 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 treatment could be approved by Health Canada this year in the year 2020. Oh, yeah. And that, that's in part why we're doing the summit. Uh, you know, we we want to encourage the our leaders in this country. Uh, to to help identify what you know what it's like living with blindness in this country, um, how we can ensure equitable and uh, access to existing and new treatments like Luxterna coming, and to talk about how we could support uh, our vision researchers in this country in order to accelerate the discovery of these treatments, and and we're meeting in Ottawa, and with the five including ourselves, the five largest uh, national uh, vision organizations in the country in order to bring, bring give voice to people who are living with vision loss and to talk with governments and, and other stakeholders about what we could do in this, this symbolic year 2020. How uh, invasive, invasive is this one-time uh, treatment? Um, maybe you can mention something about that. Well, you mentioned that it would be a one-time uh, treatment, and yes. my question is, how invasive would that one-time treatment be? Yes, well, it, it requires surgery, and and it it is uh, so so people who who qualify um, because they also a part a part of this disease is the RPE sixty five gene produces a protein that is required to keep your photoreceptors in your eye healthy. So the the, the infrastructure that receives the image and translates it into the brain. Uh, and these, these photoreceptors and cones, uh, the RPE65 gene produces um, the protein, so they're slowly dying. So if, if someone is, if it's too late, if you're, you know, if you, if it's been, in some cases, decades, where people are living with this condition, they may not have the photoreceptors that are left. But it does require surgery. They will. They do inject into the eye the the genes. These uh, using a virus, it's transmitted into your RP layer, which is a which is how the the photoreceptors keep healthy. Uh, and and it takes a few weeks to recover. Uh, but but the first humans who received this treatment, it's been about seven years now since since the very first humans in those clinical trials, and all of the visual uh, gain that they saw, the visual acuity that they gained, has remained constant over these last seven years. So we have, we have, we're quite excited uh, about the opportunity. Uh, with with any of these innovative medicines, of course, 
there is a cost, and in the United States, it's eight hundred fifty thousand dollars U.S. Ouch. So, so it is it is expensive in the scheme of things, but but to be able to restore someone's life, and and I, I'll, I'll just mention one one of the one of the individuals is is Jack McCormick. He's twenty two years old. He just graduated from Ophelia University in Waterloo, and and he's spent uh, got his first job at the Oakville Hospital. And but he's been legally blind because of this this RPE sixty five G not working. So so if we're able to do the treatment and and if it was paid for by the public health system, uh, and we don't know the price yet, uh, the company hasn't uh, hasn't disclosed what they've asked uh, to be the price in Canada. But but let, let's just say if it was eight hundred fifty thousand US, you know, Jack, the the ability of Jack to to be a, a productive, you know, and contribute through through his work and 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 not be uh, not on the Ontario Disability Program. You know, the, these are things where he would be in, uh, an active member of society, contributing and uh, working and being able to have a, a restore his sight. As as Jack describes it to me, he says, you know, I I, I don't think I would would want to change the fact that I did lose my sight because it's it's made me who I am. It's it's built determination and perseverance and and you know I've 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 learned how to have, live a meaningful life but can you just imagine if I'm able to see again what mm. that would mean wow <laughs> with all the things I've learned you know living with my being becoming blind and being legally blind today just imagine what I could do if I had my sight back that's for sure <clears throat> I've had the best of both worlds very yes. optimistic there very <laughs> optimistic so uh, this surgery that you are uh, talking about, is this going to be, uh, do you know whether it'll be a, a day surgery like uh, cataract surgery, or will the person have to uh, be an inpatient for a while? Uh, I suspect uh, where, where it happens in the United States today, it is, it is a, a two-day procedure. Ah, okay, yeah. So they, they do come in, there's, some, there, there's a number of uh, pre- steps to sure ensure that that the photoreceptors and cones are still existing oh, okay that, that they haven't died off and and then there's the prep for the surgery and the surgery takes place and there'll be a recovery right period. so before we talk sorry were you going to say something no, go ahead, no. Please. um before we talk about the the summit itself um a few years ago there was a fundraising an annual fundraising event called ride for sight and i think that's where i first heard about fighting blindness canada am i correct you are correct <laughs> and it happens in finland falls every june it's still yes. going on is it good yeah that's great it's a it's a great weekend and of course um it it, it does enable people to uh to drive their motorcycle, enjoy the great, great areas around Fenland Falls, Peterborough area as they go for, for a ride with all their friends, and they can get sponsorship to help support Fighting Blindness Canada. All right. And uh, so hopefully uh, people who are listening to this uh, from the Peterborough area will kind of mark that on their calendar and uh, uh, prepare to participate next year. Uh, yes. Or the end of uh, middle of this year, I guess, because there will always be projects to uh, fund. So, 
what's going to happen? Um, maybe you could let us know who else, uh, what other organizations are involved in this summit. And I'm, I'm also interested in what's going to happen during the summit. Yes. So uh, the, the, the five organizations that have come together, uh, Fighting Blindness Canada, the Canadian Council of the Blind, uh, and CNIB, are, are the three national patient organizations that, that represent and, and work with people living with vision loss. And we've, we've also partnered with the Canadian Association of Optometrists. So the, the optometrist, uh, really the front line uh, who, who do the diagnosis of these blinding eye diseases, and also the Canadian Optological Society, which is the medical side. They're the medical specialists, the ophthalmologists. So the five organizations have come together. We, we did in, in the fall of 2019 canvas key opinion leaders. Uh, we canvassed our memberships to talk about what are, what are key issues, what are the key opportunities we have. Uh, and from that, on January 16th, uh, we are going to be releasing three draft white papers. And basically, one, one is on supporting vision research. Uh, a second paper is on living with vision loss. So what does that mean? What are the challenges? How could, how could, uh, what could improve? What are the opportunities to improve uh, the quality of life for people living with vision loss? And the last paper is on access and equity in vision care, vision health care in Canada. So people that, that people need to have access to existing and, and new treatments but they also, that every place in Canada needs to have the same access. So Peterborough should have the same access as Toronto and Montreal. So that, that's, that's we, we've collected our thoughts. Uh, we've, we've tried to uh, bring voice to the people living with vision loss and what it means in each of these areas. Uh, to the vision researchers, to the to the medical professionals, and the people, and the families, and their their caregivers, uh, in order to raise the profile uh, in this symbolic year of 2020. <laughs> you know, it, it, 2020 has that significance to us, of course, because when you walk into the doctor's office, you into an optometrist's office, you hope that that you are told you have 2020 vision. That, that that that's good. That's perfect vision. That that you're able to see what what you uh, should be able to. And of course, for for us in in the vision loss community, uh, that's what we're tr- striving for. How can we restore sight to get us back to 2020? Mm-hmm. Or or in in cases like glaucoma, age related macular degeneration, or diabetic retinopathy, how can we avoid blindness by maintaining the sight we have? And and that's so our goal at this conference is that we can discuss issues, debate ideas, and that we can work together to present a, a united voice as to what it is to living with vision loss in Canada in 2020 and bring to government and our, our leaders ways that they could help improve uh, our, the opportunity for research, for living with these conditions, and, and for access to healthcare. Uh, so, uh, will people be able to access these uh, three papers? Yes. So, on on January sixteenth, we'll be uh, launching uh, the website, uh, and you will be able to access it through FightingBlindness.ca. 
uh, and each paper will have a, a, a questionnaire. So to make sure that we've we've uh, reflected the voice that we that we haven't missed anything that's important uh, to people living with vision loss and the caregivers and the family and friends, um, we want we want the we encourage people to read each paper, the one that's or all of them that's interest of them, to fill out the questionnaire so that that we know that we've we've hit the mark, and then on February twelfth. Uh, we will have, be having a panel to talk about each paper, and the panelists who sit who will be commenting uh, uh, about the feedback that we've received uh, since January 16th, and also add in some some uh, key points for them uh, from that from the the each day or from the the summit and the discussions that happen with the with each of the three panels. The five organizations will take that feedback. And, and we're targeting uh, Glaucoma Week in Canada, which is, which is March 8th to uh, the 15th, that uh, we'll be uh, releasing the results of the work of, of, this, of the papers, uh, that the feedback we get after January 16th, the debate and discussion that we have on February 12th in Ottawa, and then, and then we'll be releasing publicly the, the three papers to, to help and, and over the course of 2020 work with our government leaders to, to try to implement some of the ideas that come through this discussion and dialogue. Is it uh, too late for people to register for the summit? No, no, it's not. Uh, on, on the 16th, we'll be opening up registration as well. Okay. So, so if people want to make the trip to Ottawa for February 12th at 8.30 at the Christchurch Cathedral, Ottawa, on Spark Street, that's where we're holding it, uh, and it'll be running for until 12:30. So the morning, uh, we'll be running these three panel discussions. Uh, they can starting on January 16th, or uh, if if you are if you have Facebook uh, on Fighting Blindness Canada's home uh, page, uh, we'll be broadcasting live the the morning and the, each of the panel discussions. And uh, and our keynote speaker and and our wrap up. Okay, who so, is so it? If you can't can't make it yourself in person, which we'd love to have you, and for you to participate in the d- discussions then. But uh, you can watch what's happening online. And uh, is it too early to ask who the keynote speaker is? Well, we're we have a request in to one of the ministers, and we we're supposed to hear by Friday. Ah, okay. So it, is, it is just slightly too too. <laughs> yes, uh, is there going to be a cost to uh, participating? It's ten dollars. Ah, well, that's not bad. Not just to help help cover the coffee and some of the refreshments. Oh. And, yeah. Yeah. For sure. My question is, uh, how uh, are specialists getting a sort of primed up for this uh, treatment and uh, you mentioned that Montreal right now is a, a starting point are there others so so yes uh, the the company that's bringing Lexterna to Canada they're they're currently uh, working with various hospitals across the country and and our our ophthalmologist specialist the surgeon eye surgeons uh, in order to identify and will be recommending to health Canada where the treatment could take place. Okay. So it, that 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 is hopefully by the end of this year we'll we'll know we'll know all the critical facts. Very good, thank you. 
And would they be able to, uh, would the surgeons uh, make a, a selection of uh, people who might uh, be the best candidates for this surgery? Yes. So, so first off, uh, Fighting Blindness Canada launched the world's first patient registry for inherited renal diseases well over 15 years ago. Oh. So we, so we actively encourage people living with these inherited renal diseases to to come to our website at fightingblindness.ca and click on the uh, patient registry uh, page and and sign up to be on the registry. Uh, with that, they will be referred to one of our intake sites where they where you can get your gene testing uh, done. And with your gene, that that will be in our system. So if there's a clinical trial for your gene, uh, we would let you know. Uh, when this treatment Luxterna is available, we would let the people who have RPE65 gene as their that's not working. Uh, defective. They're, that's what's not working, and then we will notify them uh, of of the treatment options available in the country when when they're approved by Health Canada. All right. So we we've been uh, we have uh, you know, over thirteen hundred Canadians signed up already in the registry, but we know we know that there's more Canadians living with uh, blind with inherited retinal diseases uh, that that have not got their genetic testing done. And unfortunately, we don't have a way of letting them know. Uh, but but your ophthalmologist, your optometrist would be able to to start that process as well. Uh, if if you have one of these conditions, uh, you can get referred to one of the intake sites, get your genetic testing done, and hopefully you join the registry because we'll make it all automatic for you, uh, no matter what what your condition is. But but we'll be working with the the medical community. Uh, over the next uh, this year and next year, as the as the pr- treatment is is available in Canada, knock on wood, it gets approved. Yes. Well, uh, Devin, we have about uh, five minutes left in our program. All right. I wonder if he has any final comments, because this is something that is new, and I'm sure people will be all interested in hearing all about it. Yes. Uh, yes. Any final comments, Doug? Well I, well, I would just like to say that, you know, this is a very exciting time for Fighting Blindness Canada. The reason why we came to, why we were formed 45 years ago is, is, is happening right now. New innovative treatments are making, are transferring from discovery labs around the world into actually human treatment. And the first treatment is now approved. Uh, we hope that it will be brought to Canada in 2020. And uh, we're very excited about this, that, that science theory is becoming science fact now. Our, um, and, and of course, for the, the leading cause of blinding eye diseases, blindness in Canada is actually four diseases, uh, cataracts, glaucoma, diabetic retinopathy, and age-related macular degeneration. So those, those four diseases actually, uh, in when you're 40, uh, it's one in seven are living with one of these conditions. When you're 70, it's one in three. Wow. So getting a regular eye exam at your, with your optometrist or other eye professional is critical uh, in order to be diagnosed early because research has delivered treatments already that three out of four of the people that are diagnosed early, uh, we can stabilize and in, and in some cases even restore sight um, so that you don't, you can avoid blindness. 
So that, that's the message for 2020, the symbolic year uh, in, in vision. All right. And, and thank you very much for all this information. Wow. And checking out uh, fightingblindness.ca and keeping in touch, uh, especially after January 16th, is really important. Yes, when we launch our papers, we look forward to people sharing their story, making sure that we've we've really given voice to to what's important to them, uh, whether it's supporting uh, vision research, living with vision loss, or equitable and uh, access to vision healthcare. We want to hear your voice and make sure that we give it give a voice to our leaders in this country. Thanks so much for being with us, Doug. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so exciting. That's really appreciate the opportunity. Sure. And uh, we may chat with you again someday soon. Please. All right. You take good care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye for now. And we've uh, just been chatting with Doug Earle, who is the executive director of Fighting Blindness Canada, and um, uh, talking about the summit that's going to be taking place on uh, February 12th. And the best thing for you to do if you have any of the diseases that Doug was talking about, is to go to Fighting Blindness Canada and stay abreast of what's happening. And the fundraiser at Powers Quarters? Or not Powers, uh, Fenland uh, Falls. Fenland Falls. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Oh, in, that's June. That's in June. Yeah. Uh, get it straight after a while, Devin. Hopefully we'll have more information as, as we approach uh, June. So anyway, uh, Bob, do we have uh, time for uh, a song by Fred McKenna? Not really. I think it's time for us to say uh, goodbye for today and thank all the listeners. And uh, they can contact you if they wish any more information, not only about uh, what you're doing here at Print Radio, but about fighting blindness. Yeah, um, you can either uh, contact uh, CCB Peterborough at gmail.com, or you can contact uh, me at insightpeterborough at gmail.com, and I'll do my best to answer any uh, questions that you might have. So anyway, take good care, folks. Have a wonderful week, and uh, we'll chat with you next week. Bye-bye for now. Bye.